The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Platinum Sombrero Podcast is brought to you by Bed Bath & Beyond Thunderdome, the everything store for all of your post-apocalyptic needs. Just because civilization has collapsed doesn't mean that your stylish sense of home decor has to. And remember, if you get 10 punches on your extinction loyalty card, you'll get priority seating on the next armored tank out of town. Our prices are so low, you'd never know that society is in the midst of a widespread catastrophic freefall. Shop Bed Bath & Beyond Thunderdome, where chaos enters and impeccable style leaves. Patent pending. Fifty-one thousand plus on their feet. Nobody's left to beat the traffic tonight, I guarantee you. Mark gets the sign. The wind and the pitch. Here it is. One. Fly ball, deep left center. Grissom on the run. Yes! 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 Hamilton yes! giving you a championship. A twenty-five lighters on my dresser. Yes, sir. You know I got to get paid. Now get ready, this is the Platinum Sombrero Podcast with your hosts, Dylan Short and Adam Doc Herbert. Welcome, everybody, to the Platinum Sombrero, brought to you, as always, by Armchair All-Americans and our sponsors, MyBookie.ag. If you are looking to place a bet on any sport in the world, MyBookie.ag has you covered. You want to bet on this pay-per-view golf tournament coming up between Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, MyBookie.ag has you covered. If you missed your chance to bet the Conor mcgregor Khabib Nurmagomedov fight, like I did, and I'm very upset because I would have won at least... $2,500 if I just laid a $100 bet on Khabib submitting Connor in the fourth round. I was foolish. Don't be me. Go ahead and go to mybookie.ag. Use our, co- our promo code BRAVES25 and get them to match your first donation up to $1,000. And when you use that promo code BRAVES25, they'll also throw in $25 extra for your betting pleasure. Live lines going on in games. If you want to bet the over on the second quarter of TCU and uh, and Texas Tech tonight, you can do that. And if you're right, mybookie.ag will pay you. It's quick, it's easy, easy payouts, easy to find the lines that you're looking for. If you want to bet props, they've got that on mybookie as well. Go to mybookie today. That's mybookie, you know the words, M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. Use our promo code BRAVES25. Play, win, get paid. All right, everybody. Unfortunately, the Braves are out of the postseason uh, I was actually there on Monday when they lost, and it was a little bit of a heartbreaker. Um, but I, I, a little bit shocked at how not upset I was. 
you're always disappointed when you lose and, and you're done. But I'm genuinely not upset at the way that this Braves season unfolded. And the ovation after the game for the Braves was absolutely astounding. It was one of my favorite moments as an Atlanta sports fan, period. I've, you know, I haven't, uh, I'm not old enough to really, really remember like the parades and everything for the Braves. We went, of course, but I was, you know, I was four years old. I don't really remember it. Uh, But to see everybody, what ultimately was a game that sent you home, and to see everybody stay and to give, the Braves an ovation for this season was really awesome and every Braves player has has commented on it basically talking about how wonderful it was and how you know the basically it brings the team and the fans together and it, it makes you when people talk about Atlanta being a bad sports town this was not one of those occasions this was one of those occasions you could be like all right Atlanta did something good here and you know I mentioned this before about the Dodger I picked the Dodgers to beat the Braves you know I'm not happy that I picked it I'm not happy it worked out but I can at least say definitively that we lost to the best team in the National League, and I am expecting a heck of a series between the Dodgers and the Brewers. Same. I, I think that uh, that is going to be a really, really interesting series for the NLCS. And the ALCS is, is looking like it's going to be great, too. It was it was really bittersweet knowing, you know, ye- I think going into this series, we all knew this was a David versus Goliath matchup. And even for as much as we wanted the Braves to win, we knew it was still kind of a long shot, even for all of the hope that we had and all of the, the good juju. But, but yeah, I think the Dodgers, you saw the depth. You saw how good their pitching is. You, you saw what they're able to do. So I mean, they're bringing Max Muncy and Brian Dozier off the bench. Yeah, and, and the first two games with Ryu and Kershaw not walking anybody and and not giving up any runs whatsoever. I mean, things possibly could have worked out differently if Fulty hadn't given up the leadoff home run to, to Peterson. You know, who knows? Who knows how how much the momentum swung in that in that moment. But uh I'm so proud of this team. I really, really am. I hate it that they're not still playing and Every every year that the Braves have been out of the playoffs for the past couple of years, I've just been so intrigued by the playoffs as a whole. But now that they're they were in it and now they're out, I'm just like, ah, man, I don't want to watch Red Sox Yankees. I, I don't want to, you know, like the, <laughs> the other night. Braves. Yeah, it's you know, I'm watching yeah uh, everybody talking on Twitter about Kimbrell melting down and everything. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, not Who yet. Care? I'm, I'm, Who care? I'm, Go away. Yeah, I don't want to hear about it. So, but I'm I'm really intrigued for the for the next uh, next two rounds. I'll probably be back on the horse watching baseball in no time. And, but this this right here, we've been talking so long about about the off season and what's going to come that that uh, who know. And we're going to get into everybody's idea of what's going to happen later. But this is going to be a really interesting off season too. So knowing that we've got that waiting for us on the other side of what's I'm sure going to wind up being great championship series and great world series. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. And won the division in a year we were supposed to finish third or fourth. So can't really complain. And it's not just winning a division. You were genuinely a, a fun club to watch. We've talked about that, that this, I think this will go down as, as the most fun Braves team to watch day in and day out that, that they've ever had the, the come from behind wins, the great play late, the great play in high pressure situations, the problem is always, you know, the walks are a huge deal. The Braves were the Braves actually matched up with the rest of the playoff teams exceptionally well, 
everywhere but one category, and that was walks. And it reared its ugly head in this Dodgers series. Now, granted, the Dodgers as a team take a ton of walks because every player they have works the count. And the Braves are the exact opposite. They're very, very aggressive. Unfortunately, it didn't work out when you faced Ryu and Kershaw. And we talked about it last week that it was it was essential to get game one. And you didn't get game one, and lo and behold, you go down two nothing. And when you go down two nothing in a five game series, I'm sorry to say that, that that's that's a monster hole to climb out of. I didn't I don't remember the exact numbers off the top of my head, but suffice it to say the vast, vast, vast majority of the time, the team that goes up 2-0 wins. It's just how it goes. And you played a team in the Dodgers who were clicking at the right time that are just an absurdly talented team and a team that we talked about already that going player for player was the most talented in the National League. So it was definitely a David versus Goliath. I don't want to say I don't want to say that the Braves were essentially overmatched because that'll sound like I'm kind of being harsh on the Braves, but they were a little bit. But I think they were as overmatched as any of the other teams would have been against the Dodgers. That's why I think that the Dodgers are are going to go to the World Series. Milwaukee can slug with them. They definitely can. Milwaukee definitely has the bullpen to to be dominant in that series. But overall, when you're talking about the makeup of most of these squads, the Braves just had the bad luck to draw the the Dodgers in round one. That's all it is. I think if you play anybody else in round one, I think the Braves win. I think that they're a good team. I think the problem was the aggressiveness kind of bit them in the butt there a little bit. Uh, And it allowed guys, allowed starters to who were being great like Ryu and Kershaw where it allowed them to go really deep into the game because you weren't running their pitch count up. Uh, And unfortunately the Braves had to roll through that bullpen a few times. And I wonder too about the timing of winning the division. I wonder if that really threw a kink in things because this was the end of this season for the Rockies and the Dodgers and the Cubs and the Brewers, man, what a finish that was. And they were fighting until the last day. And for the Braves to be such a young team and have so many guys, not just in the bullpen, but guys like Acuna and Aldis and Camargo who aren't really used to having, you know, used to playing 140, they're not used to playing 162. So they didn't need any reason to take their foot off the gas. And so they sat around, essentially, for like 11 days while everybody else was still supercharged, everybody was raring to go. And like when the the Braves tried to reestablish themselves, it was like they were all scattered and every, and it looked like everybody could tell that everybody was scattered and everybody was trying to be that guy and, and hit that home run and, and just do that magical thing. And it just, it didn't wind up working. So I mean, that's, it's too bad. That's the way it goes. You get back on the horse next March and, and we get ready to do it all again. And as doc said, we, we, First off, I want to say thank you guys to everybody who put forth their ideas on the on our post on TPS underscore podcast. Uh, we got a lot more activity on that than I really thought we would. You guys are awesome. Uh, some of your ideas, really, really good ideas. Some of them, really horrible ideas. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, but some of those are just not happening. Like uh, Jose Ramirez being, being traded. Uh, I don't want to be a dick about this, so I'm just going to be very nice about it. There is not a there is not a player that is more untouchable in baseball than Jose Ramirez. Uh, the guy's making like three point eight million dollars next year, and he's a forty forty guy this year. Like he's 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 staying put. Um, but uh, love the fact that everybody wanted to get their voice out there and be heard. We really love the fan interaction. So thank you guys. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, but before we do, just a quick PSA. Everybody who's on Twitter saw the whole thing with the Yankees fan throwing his $25 beer on that Oakland A's fan when the Yankees beat Oakland in the wild card game. Doc, I'm assuming you've seen this as well. 
Yeah, I did. That was very uh, financially irresponsible and and a dick move. But, yeah, just a but, total total dick move. That guy's a total douche canoe. Now, of course, they made up and he brought him to a Yankees game, the Yankees Red Sox game. Blah 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 blah. Fine and dandy. My whole point on this is we were all rightfully calling Yankees fans out for that for being a dick because when he's oh it's the intimidation we don't want him here. Blah, 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 blah. It's not intimidation. Stop being a good fan. You're just being an a hole. That's all that is. The problem is I saw far too much of that Monday at the Braves game as well. I understand it's a playoff game. I understand it's an elimination game, and I understand being hyped. I understand wanting to support your team, but it is a fine line between supporting your team and being a dickhead fan, and that is something that I am not on board with. So when you're over here, and now granted, this was my fault partially because I was in outfield seats, which is why I hate, hate, hate sitting in the outfield. I don't mean to sound pompous or grandiose, but I'm probably going to come off that way. I don't like to sit in the outfield seats because they're cheaper seats, which means you get a lesser clientele, I will say to put it lightly. You get guys that like to come in there and get rowdy and be hammered drunk by the end of the first inning and just start taking the excuse to start screaming at opposing players and screaming at opposing fans. Now, screaming at opposing players, they make a ton of money. I don't really care if you scream at them. You just sound like an idiot. That guy does not care that you're screaming at him. Um, I have a big problem when you start singling out opposing fans. Those guys paid the same amount of money you did. A lot of them paid a lot more to travel to Atlanta. They paid the same amount of money to be in the ballpark. And you screaming at that fan does nothing as far as your team goes. I have a big problem with that. And if you're one of those guys... You need to you, you really need to reevaluate your stance on things because quite honestly, if my wife had not been there with me and we hadn't been celebrating her birthday, happy birthday, honey, belated birthday, uh, if we had not been celebrating her birthday, I probably would have gotten kicked out of that game. You, know, my uh, my dad and I went to to game three, and uh, your game was better to go to than mine. It was, you know, it was pleasant. Um, Acuna hitting the grand slam was the the Which, loudest thing by I've, the way, I've ever heard. By the way, so that's another reason you can't be upset. You got your playoff moment. Yeah, I mean, it was um, – God, I've been to – I don't even know how to begin to to guess how many baseball games I've been to. I uh, would say it's a lot. And uh, never been in an atmosphere like that. Never – like, it. I have heard jets taking off that was uh, quieter than SunTrust Park after Acuna at that Grand Slam. It was un freaking believable and uh but like the whole the whole section and i everybody's rowdy i get that man but like there we had a lot of that too where it was you know the dodgers suck chant okay we're all just throwing that out in the universe like we hit our opponents okay that's a that's a tale as old as time but like there was a guy that was on the other side of my dad that singled out a couple dodgers fans and was lighting this one girl up who was wearing a clayton kershaw jersey and uh and Did you have she, to go out and call she, it a jersey? I feel like you were just shaming her for having a jersey and not a jersey. Oh, we'll we'll just say that it was a jersey. Um, but it was uh, man. She turned around. And she had freaking smoke coming out of her ears and and fire coming out of her eyes. I mean, she was freaking furious, man. And it was like it just that type of stuff. It's unnecessarily tense. Like if it's group on group. I mean, you want to get into some weird mob type stuff. Um, that's probably not good either. Go to a I mean, soccer game. Like, go be a hooligan at a soccer game. Yeah, I mean, don't just. There's ways to have fun, and there's ways to uh, 
there's ways to get your point across without having to be a, a D-bag about it. But this conversation is quickly taking on uh, young man and not-so-young man yells at cloud type status. So uh, long story short, just you can dislike your fellow fans, but you don't have to be a jerk to them. And it may sound old man yelling at the cloud. I really don't care. It's really it's, – it's not about yelling at the clouds. This, that is a full-on respect issue. Like, and I don't care how old you are if you're doing it. I mean, it you're not a good fan. Like anybody that thinks you're a good fan because you're screaming at somebody else in the stands, you're not a good fan. Like you're, you're honestly, you're a d bag. Uh, but I don't want to make this an unnecessarily mad Dylan episode, so I am going to move on from that before I do get too angry. Uh, we're just, I think, real quick, I guess we'll, we'll right after this, we're going to move into the offseason moves. But real quick, um, how do you see the rest of the playoffs? How how do you see the rest of the playoffs going out? This is one of the few times we've actually had one versus one. And one versus one, it just it normally doesn't happen. There's always some sort of upset that goes on. Yeah, that's true. Um, I still, I had said coming into the season, uh, Astros Dodgers rematch in the World Series. Uh, when I started doing my bracket for uh, this year, I have Red Sox Brewers. So, uh, depending on which time frame you're looking at, I can't lose. But uh, <laughs> I, either way, I, I hedged my bet. You see, this this is this is how I cover my bases. Um, but I, I think the, the Red Sox are um, they're a juggernaut, even though what George Springer has been doing for Houston. I mean, he's like he's got more postseason home runs than Lou Gehrig. So you don't he, by the way, isn't he the, isn't he the first leadoff guy to have two homers in a game? In the playoffs? I think so. Yeah. I mean, that's he is special. And when when Acuna, like before Acuna came up, um, Springer was one of those guys where I had said, if if the best case scenario for Ronald Acuna is George Springer, I am totally happy with that because that guy is that guy's a baller. He's yeah. really, really good. <laughs> How crazy is it that now you're looking at it like, ah, Acuna should be better than Springer. Right. That's that's a, a really a testament to him. But uh, I think Boston just, they've got so much firepower. I, I think there's going to be a lot of runs scored. I really do. Um, I think that Milwaukee's offense is is um, is better than L.A.'s pitching, which says a lot after what we just saw out of L.A.'s pitching. So I'm still sticking with my, with my Red Sox Brewers uh, bracket. How's yours looking? Well, I'm actually in a lot better shape than I was at this time last week because I also picked Oakland to beat New York. That did not happen. Boy, did that not happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> everything else, I also picked Cleveland to beat Houston, and boy, did that not happen. Um, early this season, the beginning of the season, I was with you. I picked an I picked a Houston and L.A. rematch as well. Uh, and then we got to the brackets, and I've got – I picked Boston over Houston – I'm actually I'm a little concerned with that pick now because I agree. I think Boston is an absolute juggernaut. I really do. I think uh, they don't have a real weakness on their team. I was talking with uh, I was talking with Steak on yesterday on on the front row on Six Eight the Fan on Wednesday. For those of you listening on on Friday or Saturday or whatever, uh, we were talking about that, and, and he brought up the point that the Red Sox their Achilles heel is their bullpen. And I kind of looked at him. I said, "Yeah, it's kind of when you're talking about a team having an Achilles heel that features Craig Kimbrell and Matt Barnes and Joe Kelly and like four or five other relievers that strike out like eleven or twelve an inning. That's your Achilles heel. You're in a good spot. It's not the same thing. It's not the same Achilles heel. Yeah, Joe Kelly is a uh, man. I got Kelly just for looking at him wrong. He's like, oh yeah, no, he, he's he's cray cray. Like, he will. Yeah. He will throw at you, and then he will dare you to come after him. Like he's he's looking for an excuse to brawl, and he's probably their worst reliever, quite honestly. And that's you know he's their version of Peter Moylan, and you know that lets you know how good the Red Sox as a team are. 
They brought Chris Sale into the eighth inning. Yeah, that that's not fair. Now, now no. normally, when you look at Chris Sale going into Craig Kimbrell, like you can't lose. But then what happened? But you almost did. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Craig uncharacteristically almost blowing it in a safe situation. It was a safe situation the whole time, so that was a little bit more shocking. What's really interesting is when we sent this question out, uh, it was right after the Kimball meltdown. And it's funny, a lot of people uh, all of a sudden weren't making big moves to bring Kimball back to Atlanta. I don't know how much that's recency bias or what. I think a lot. uh, Well, and then there's, as soon as Camargo had the really bad NLDS, you start seeing a lot of people saying, well, maybe this guy isn't the future. As if, you know, playing 137 really good games uh, is somehow negated by the fact that he went over over four games or something. Right. So right, yeah, uh, and, and that's a that's a big problem. You're never going to get away from that in baseball. Recent impressions are what make people the most vocal, and blah 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 blah. That's just how that goes. But no doubt, uh, the the problem why I'm a little bit worried though is that Houston team. If there is a team, there is. I don't know who matches up better. I actually think Houston might match up a Boston better than anybody else in all of baseball. Because Houston has the starting pitching depth to go toe-to-toe with them, and I actually think Houston has a better rotation front-to-back than Boston. I think Chris Sale is Chris Sale is probably the best starter out of all of them. Um, but the fact that Houston can throw Verlander and then Garrett Cole and then Charlie Morton and then Dallas Keuchel or Lance McCullers and then bring one of those guys out of the pen along with Colin McHugh and Will Harris and Hector Rondon and then – disgusting human being AJ Ramos like that that's that's pretty hefty to go through right there and that they didn't even bring Brad Peacock on their roster a guy that was one of the biggest pieces of their World Series run a year ago and he didn't even make the play of the ALDS rotation it's nuts it's absolutely nuts but I do think Boston has the edge in the lineup I will say that Bregman is incredible uh I think that this series is actually going to come down to either a big moment from Alex Bregman or a big moment from Mookie Betts. And then you talk about the Astros have Springer and Correa now that they're finally getting in the swing of things, now that they've been healthy a little bit to get their timing down. But the Red Sox turn around and have J.D. Martinez and Andrew Benintendi. Uh, it, it's a fun matchup. I like the Red Sox a little bit more because I think they do more things. I think they're a little bit more versatile of a team. They can beat you stealing bases. They can beat you with their pitching. They can beat you with the long ball. I think the Astros are, are kind of going to have to be long ball or bust in this series, uh, and I don't think that that's a great strategy unless you're the Los Angeles Dodgers taking on the Brewers, where I believe the Braves. I don't, I don't know if it's if they really did, but the Braves. It seemed like they out hit the Dodgers in the series, and the Dodgers just out homered the Braves. Where it seems like the Braves walked a ton of people, and the Dodgers made them pay for it nearly every time. And that's a problem that yeah. the Brewers are going to face because the Brewers' starting rotation is god awful. It is it is atrocious. Like their their starting pitching is some of the worst rotation I've seen. Wade Miley is one of their top. Ulysses Chassin was their number one starter this year. Think about that. They announced their starters today. They're going Gio Gonzalez game one, Wade Miley uh, game two, and Chassin game three. I, I want to throw up. I honestly want to throw up after hearing that. That's well. Don't don't that's, don't do it now. That's three castoffs that are starting your games in the NLCS. Yeah, Geo, before he got traded, man, Geo was in the tank. He just looked terrible when he was with Washington. And and Miley, he pitched against the Braves earlier this year, and he looked okay, but not game two of the NLCS okay. And Chassin, you know, he was a really good story that Slider has renewed his career. You know, and he actually he was 
passable when he was with Atlanta, but same thing with Miley. I mean, that's not the guy that you want to be your game three starter. But I still think that they have enough offensive firepower. Like these these four offenses that are still going to be playing, like if you like games that are 13 to 12 in the last five and a half hours, this <laughs> is the postseason for you. That's right. Suck it. This is just thumbing Rob Manfred in the eye. But mm-hmm. when and you talk about the Brewers and that home run power, I still think the Dodgers have them beat there. And the Brewers have Jesus Aguilar, Christian Yelich, who's suddenly turned it on to 11 and become like one of the best position players in baseball, which a lot of people thought he could be, and he just hadn't quite taken that step. He's taken that step and then another one. Um, we got that. Lorenzo Cain is always a good player. Not quite the power guy, but but a really good player. Mike Moustakis, Travis Shaw can run into one at any time. Ryan Braun at some point can run into one. I mean, they're, they've, they've got a lot of power. But the Dodgers have eight players who are 25-plus type home run guys. The um, with the, the Dodgers had 108 homers coming off their bench, the, or 112, and the Braves' top five power guys that were in their everyday lineup had 108 or some, something like that. I mean, Dodgers... Dodgers are gross. We all saw it. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> insane. So good. Max Muncy had like 37 home runs this year, and he got benched in the second half. It's crazy. But, yeah, man, I, th- I still think this is shaping up to be a really interesting playoff. And, and who knows? Well, the the fact that, that Kershaw pitched the way that he did against the Braves, this comes back to the recency bias. All of a sudden it was, oh, well, Kershaw can pitch in the postseason. Now, no, he had one really good start against a team that was kind of flailing. Uh, part of that is his ability, and part of that was the fact that they were, yeah, for reasons we had already covered. But uh, but who knows? He could turn back into a pumpkin if uh, if Ryu's not facing a team that's that is trying as hard as the Braves were. That you know, if they're trying, if Milwaukee's trying to work the count, it could um, it could work against Ryu or or whoever else they wind up going out, uh, Rich Hill or or whoever. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting, no doubt. And so I'm excited to see how it turns out. Uh, like I said, I've got the Boston and the Dodgers playing. I actually have the Dodgers winning, um, which seems crazy. I know. Uh, I, I just think that the Dodgers. This is kind of this is this seems to be their year. I mean, you replaced Corey Seager with Manny Machado. That's not fair. I mean, that's not supposed to happen. But speaking of Manny Machado, he is a free agent at the end of this year. And while he's not on my prefer, he's not on my my actual list of offseason. You know plans i do have one idea that i just thought of maybe 27 minutes ago right before we started this what i plan for manny machado is this tell him at the beginning i will beat any offer that you are given as long as you are willing to play third base oh yeah if if he has plans on on coming to atlanta to be a shortstop then that's short-lived and that has nothing to do with dance that has everything to do with manny well, this is what I'm saying because he wants. It's pretty well known. It's it's pretty much a fact. He wants to be a New York guy. New York, if they're willing to put him at shortstop, one that makes Didi Gregorius available, which is nice. If you're Atlanta, hint hint. Uh, but if the Yankees are looking at him as a third baseman, that is when I swoop in and go, "Oh, hey, they're offering you 35 a year. I'll offer you 37 a year." Oh yeah, and uh, you know, here's key to the city. And, uh, and, you know, give, give us a list of what you want. Uh, you know, give us your rider. If you want a brandy glass full of brown M&Ms, uh, we'll get it for you. Um, yeah, I, I think that, that that could be the thing. When going into Did you just pull uh, out a Van Halen? Pet- did you just pull out a Van Halen thing there? Uh, I did, and I, I can't remember if that's exactly what they were talking about in Wayne's World 2, the story about the Bengal tiger and beating the guy to death with his own shoe. Um, <laughs> but, 
yeah so that good, got good pull deep. there on the david lee roth yeah i mean i i i love a good david lee roth reference not so. only that do you know why they did that uh, just to make sure that they read it. Just because they can. That was what David Lee Roth said. Just because they can. Because I'm David Lee Roth. I've always found it hilarious that, like in the uh, when Van Halen was uh, was getting big in the late seventies, early eighties, that he was like the picture of you know he was like the the sexy male or whatever. Like he embodied that back in those days, and he was such a playboy. Have you seen David Lee Roth? Uh, yeah, those seen- long years of cocaine and partying somehow caught up to him. Yeah, and uh, do need some Rogaine. Uh, he had a <laughs> right. gorgeous, gorgeous mane of hair uh, a long time ago. He does not have that anymore. But I digress. So yeah, if like Atlanta's infield, the like the left half of the infield and some of the outfield, like some of it could be in flux. But Manny Machado coming over to play shortstop, I'm just not particular particularly interested in that. Manny Machado coming over to play third base. Let's talk. Manny Machado wants to play third base. He's instant. Like if Manny Machado is willing to play third base for you, he's instantly number one guy to grab. I'd prefer him over Harper because it's a right-handed power bat to split with Freddie. Hundred uh, percent on that. Harper is the other one, of course. The reason that I'm not including those two in my offseason plans here is because they are the shoot at the moon type of things. They are the shoot your shot because everybody's going to be offering essentially the same deal. Now you have, and I mentioned this on Wednesday as well. If you happen to be listening early in the morning. I mentioned that the Braves have more of a shot than they normally would in years gone by because Mike Trout will be a free agent in two years. I don't think either one of these guys will be looking for necessarily a a 10-year deal. I think that they'll be looking for maybe a five-year deal with an opt-out after the third year where they can go at 30 years old and 31 or 29 and 30 respectively. They can go out and they can get another monster contract in their primes after Mike Trout has reset the market because Mike Trout is going to bankrupt a few teams. And if you're you're the Braves, that's a great thing because if you get these guys on a three-year opt-out and you basically know they're going to opt out, you can afford to give them 35 or 40 million a year because by the time that that comes up and they're gone, Acuna, Albies, even Dansby in some respects, uh, all your young pitchers, Tuki, Soroka, all these guys, Newcomb, they're still going to be in their arbitration years or on their rookie deals. So it's not going to affect you re-signing them at all. Agreed. I, th- this It almost kind of seems like a perfect storm. Now, I'm I'm Team Bryce Harper. Um, part of it has to do with uh, with the opening in right field, and some of it has to do with you know the game has very few actual superstars, and regardless of what you think about him, even if he's not a Tier 1 superstar, he's like a Tier 1B superstar. To put up the year he had and have that be a down year, I get it. Braves fans don't like Bryce Harper, and I understand why. But if put you his put foot through the A. Of, oh, yeah. The, he dragged his foot through the A six years ago uh, when that A had been there. Like, they had just started doing that that season or something. It's not like he came and, and like, uh, wiped his ass on a tomahawk or something like that. I mean, Aaron he, in the balls. Yeah, I mean, there's there's any number of things that that like I I get it, like I, I totally understand why people don't like him. But when it comes time to if you want to win a World Series, look at the Dodgers, look at the Brewers, look you know guys like Christian Yelich and and guys guys like I don't know, there's all of these different acquisitions that that get made with these like superstar types. And I know that the Braves have two superstars now, 
or one superstar in, in Acuna and one quiet star in, in Freddie. I mean, I, you just you can't have enough offense, you know. And some of these pitchers that the Braves have now are going to work out. Some are not. But since there's going to be such a long line of prospects coming up and some of them having to kind of learn on the job, as you saw this year, it's still possible for these guys to learn on the job and still win your division. But there's, you're going to need a lot of offensive firepower to still win these games in case uh, a couple of years from now Kyle Muller comes up and he gives up four runs in the eighth inning or, or something like that. So I think you're right about the fact that Trout is going to come in and he's going to get $500 million and Bryce is going to opt out after his third year, which I, I think that that any contract he gets is going gonna, is gonna to have multiple opt-outs in it. And he's going to try and chase $500 million for himself. Now, the worst case scenario for something like that is you get a Jason Hayward situation where you give this guy something with uh, three numbers to the left of the comma, and then he just kind of flames out, and his first opt-out comes up, and he doesn't make it. So there is some inherent danger in signing a guy like Bryce to the type of contract or a guy like Manny to the contract that they're going to wind up getting. But you have, if you, you don't win by playing it safe, you've got to shoot the moon on some of these deals. And that was copy's philosophy. And I think it's, it's Anthopolis's philosophy as well. You playing it safe is great. If you want to finish 83 and 79 every year, you got to go big. And I agree. The only reason and I, I don't have anything against Harper, I would actually, I think Harper fits in well here too. He's actually a really close friend of Freddie Freeman. So if you're a fan of Freddie and you love Freddie, then I don't know how you can inherently be like, Bryce Harper's a horrible person. Um, unless you just think that Freddie doesn't have the best taste in friends. I mean, Bryce Harper comes in, he instantly makes you a favorite in the National League. A favorite, not the favorite, but he makes you a favorite in the National League to pair up with Ronald Acuna uh, and Freddie Freeman. And you got to figure with Ozzy Albies hopefully adjusting back and your young superstar pitcher or your young stud pitchers, I should say, that makes you for that makes a heck of a club. I just think that, that I that's just also if you view those trades in a vacuum, like if or uh, these acquisitions in a vacuum, because say that you also go out and you get a guy like Real Muto or Bumgarner or whoever, then you can start adding on to the likelihood of being the NL favorite. Well, so true, but, but we're just talk, we're just talking about one at the moment, just one. Uh, sure. The only thing, and I, I still think I like Machado a little. I think Machado is a little bit better of a player overall than Bryce. Uh, mostly because Machado at third base is a stellar third baseman. Uh, he could give, he honestly could give Nolan Arenado and Matt Chapman a run for their money at third base. Bryce Harper is nothing more than a slightly below average right fielder who, for some reason, had to play center field for most of this year and was absolutely dreadful. Um, that that's the only difference between the two for me, aside from the fact that I'd like a right-handed power bat if I have my absolute druthers. I'll take a power bat, period. But I would prefer a right-handed power bat. But again, either one of those guys, you're essentially going to get, I think they're essentially going to get the same contract. Honestly, uh, one guy might make like an extra dollar above the other, depending on who signs first. And I, I yeah. think that that's pretty much what they're going to deserve anywhere from 30 to 40 million a season with an opt out after three. Uh, and they're young enough to where I don't worry about them not performing. You're not talking about a 10 year deal where they're, you know, 36 and 37 done. The, the days of the Miguel Cabrera and, and, you know, Albert Pujols contracts are basically done. Although I think if those two were set on it, you make an exception for Trout, Machado, and Harper, and you just live with the end result. 
But for the most part, I think I think everybody expects it to be an opt-out after three. And if their agents are worth anything, it'll be an opt-out after three. Um, but we're not going to include those on the list because that's shoot the moon. So we picked a few of, of your... Uh, of your ideas out of here and we're not going to talk about free agent signings in these deals because we're going to talk about doc and mine we're going to talk about our offseason ideas and that's going to cover a ton of the people that were talked about so all we're looking at is trades so i don't see uh let's start with keats here keats the uh for the long time people thought was you know john coppolella's drunk older brother um the deal he's got here is trading colby allard and alex jackson for eddie rosario from minnesota I am a huge Eddie Rosario fan. I love Eddie Rosario. I think he's one of the most underrated players in this league, and he has been for the last two seasons. I was all on Eddie Rosario's junk last year. I wanted the Braves to go out and get him this this past offseason. I'm not sure that Colby and Alex Jackson get you Eddie Rosario. No, I, th- I think the same. And the with the outfield kind of being in flux as it is, uh, his natural position is in uh, is in left field. He would be a step up over Marcakis. Um but I think for for a guy like that, the the Twins have reasoning to not just completely punt on everything. I know they just fired Paul Molitor, or they promoted him so they could get a new manager. <laughs> uh, you know that's that's really good work with um, with with words right there to try and soften the blow. But they fired Paul Molitor. And uh, but if you look at that division, man, the, the AL Central is just bad news. So the Indians, as long as they don't have some catastrophic stuff going on, they are going to rule that division for at least the next four or five years. The White Sox, the Tigers, the Royals are nothing. So the um, actually the Tigers were a lot better this year than I thought they'd be. But the Twins have the opportunity to to be second best in that division, and uh, so. For trading a guy like Rosario, they're going to need a really, really strong package to get that done. So, um, I like Rosario as a target, but you have to you have to give them a really sweet deal. I think so, it's going to cost. Look. I think it's going to cost a, a fairly high name pitcher, a young guy who's controllable, who also has major league experience. I think that would be your centerpiece deal. I don't think Colby would would be anywhere near enough to be a centerpiece in that deal. Uh, and I don't think Alex Jackson really is anything at all as far as adding or subtracting from a deal. I think he's kind of a guy at this point in time who's just there to make money work or so a team feels like they've got an, a lottery pick of sorts or, or a team that somebody feels they have a backup at some point. Um, if you wanted to replace that and say center it around Luis Gohara or Max Freed, I think you could have conversations about it. Essentially, if you if you throw in – I think it's still going to cost more than that. Um but essentially, if you want to say like a Julio, a Max Freed, uh, and then a lottery ticket like an Alex Jackson, you might have some traction there. But I agree with you. I think it's going to be – if you're talking about dealing for anybody from the Twins, the only person who's going to cost more is going to be Jose Barrios. Yeah, I think so. I think that the relationship with Miguel Sano is uh, taking on a very odd form. Um, Miguel Sano can't as- play anywhere but the American League. Oh, oh, for sure, for sure. Um, I uh, three, four weeks ago, we talked about bringing on bringing in Byron Buxton. Just you still got to kind of gamble on those tools. He is man. I, I would love, I would love to see what it would cost to get Byron Buxton. I'm just in, not a Buxton in, in fan. I'm really just not a Buxton fan. I think he's, I think he's a half a season hitter. Personally, now he could put it together. He has one of the best toolboxes in all of baseball. Like if. 
and I I agree with this part of it. If he ever puts it all together and stays healthy, you're looking at a guy that's going to hit 25 homers, steal 40 bases, play the best defensive center field in baseball, and and be an absolute stud at the top of your lineup. I just don't think he's that guy. That's a big if. You know, he's had a lot of. It's like jerks and Profar. Like he's had right. so much time, and and there's you know Profar had his, his shoulder stuff, and and Buxton has. You know, Buxton's been hurt doing everything. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, Keats, good uh, good target. Maybe need to add a little bit more to that deal. But I, I could see something like that happening. Now, Cothran, we're not going to really – Cothran's got one uh, at Bald Headed Wonder. Co- Ryan Cothran from Walk Off Walk. Um, he puts out – and he's got a few stuff on here. You can ask Ryan. He's, he's pretty much going to answer just about anybody. Um, Ender for Kyle Tucker. Uh, I don't see any way in the world that happens. Not because, like, I, I don't see the Astros giving up on Kyle Tucker for one. Uh, I think if anything, they're going to try to trade JJ or uh, Josh Reddick to free up a full spot for Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker has not lost any of the shine on him as a prospect. I mean, he struggled in what a one month call up. I don't think he's lost any of the luster. The fact that he's still one of the most put together prospects in baseball. I think he's going to cost way more than just Ender. Well, and. Ender is so polarizing as a player because it's similar to Marcakis where you have to look at the full year's worth of stats before, um, you know, if you just look at the first half, you say, this guy sucks. If you look at the second half, you say, wow, this guy was great. Uh, He was hitting like that with, uh, with gold glove center field defense. It just depends on organizationally how both the Braves and Astros would, would, uh, value somebody like that. Now we know how much the Braves value defense. And so I think they, if they were to trade Ender, which is not completely off the table, I think that it's, it was, uh, you're really going to need to get a slam dunk in return for him. But for guys like Kyle Tucker, he's like fifth ranked prospect in all, in all of baseball. Now I'm not saying that you couldn't center a deal around both of these players, but the Braves, I think would have to, give more in order in order to get a guy like Tucker because I mean he he could be a contributor a contributor for Houston as soon as the next season so and if you look at his minor league his triple a numbers like there, there's nothing to suggest that he won't hit at the next level other other than the fact that he's got to get used to different breaking ball looks that that's really all it was I mean, his triple a numbers were insane as they were supposed to be because he's that level of a prospect. I agree that I think you could acquire Kyle Tucker because the Astros are very, very smart and they have a ton of pieces to play with to where they could lose a Kyle Tucker and they could still be an outstanding farm system. I just don't think Ender's the guy that they'd centerpiece that deal around. You'd have to, I think it'd have to be centered around pitching, but even there, the Astros have a ton of pitching depth. I just don't think that the Astros match up well with the Braves from a trade perspective. There's not a whole lot that they need that the Braves are particularly flush with. And come to think of it, there's not a whole lot that the Astros need, period. That's a really good point. I mean, they could kind of just hold serve and be fine. Not that any team really holds serve, especially if they don't win the World Series. But like, if you're looking at the Astros, they might like to get a center fielder so that they could move George Springer to left field and have Kyle Tucker or and have somebody else in right because they're losing Marlon Gonzalez maybe. Or you know whatever they feel about with Derek Fisher, can't remember if they traded him or not, uh, or the first baseman. That might be the only other thing that they need. I mean, they they won 103 without <laughs> Kyle Tucker, right? So, so they they are they're stacked. They're they're absolutely stacked. I mean, if they would do it for for Justin, or I'd do that in a heartbeat. But 
I don't think it's happening. I agree with you. Needs a lot more. Uh, at SGM Braves 2 in the least champ season, he's got a couple on here. He's got he's got two on here that we're going to talk about, one that I'm not going to talk about at all. Uh, but he's got trading Julio, Colby, and Joey Wentz for Rysel Iglesias. That's interesting. It is. I wonder... Oh, man. I think if the Reds did do that deal, they would kind of kick themselves because um, it's not Riverfront. What the hell is it called? Great American. Yeah, oh. Great Great American Small Park. Yeah, um, where it's like 290 to the corners. Um, for a guy that gives up as many home runs as Julio does, which he did get better in the second half of the year, um, I think that, that a place like that would be that would be a really hard place for him to pitch. And same thing for for Colby, even though he wasn't giving up a ton of home runs. Um, you know, the biggest thing about him is that he he doesn't have the completely overpowering stuff. He's he gonna get tagged in the pros. Let's be let's be straight up. He's gonna get tagged. He's gonna give up he, homers in the pros. Yeah. And uh and for a guy like Wentz, uh who I know that both you and I have still <laughs> huge, huge fans. Love, love some Joey Wentz. Joey, right Joey. What? Just, chant, <laughs> just chanting Joey, okay? Just move along. I'm sorry. Um, but to get a guy like Iglesias, I mean, that was somebody that we had talked about leading up at the trade deadline. I think that uh, I think that Cincinnati's road to contention is, even though they're building a, a pretty decent farm system through years and years of finishing fourth and fifth in the NL Central and getting a lot of high draft picks, I think that uh, their their window for contention probably opens in like two more years. But they, if you could build a deal for prospects around Russell Iglesias, then I think you do that all I, day long. I would do that in a heartbeat. I just think you're going to have to sub out Colby for a different young arm, like oh, like Ian. I think that that would probably work because Ian is close enough to where that they can see that he'll be ready in their window of contention. I think it might cost a guy. I would say like a Gohara who can be overpowering. I don't know how they would feel about him. Um, but I, I, I happen to think that Gohara has more trade value than a lot of other people do. I know this past season wasn't a great one for him, but it's not going to be too hard to show people tape of Gohara and get them salivating. Uh, yeah. Just show the fastball and the slider and show them the fact that for the most part this past year he was working on his changeup a ton and then kind of sell that. But, you know, you've got Max Freed, Gohara, uh, I'm not going to take it off the table that Newcomb gets dangled in some deals this offseason. I don't think that the Braves are essentially looking to trade Sean. I think, though, I don't think that the Braves would say no if the right deal came along, though, if that makes sense. I am in the exact same boat. And speaking of Newcomb, his next trade idea is trading Sean Newcomb to the Padres for Kirby Yates. Uh, That's probably not going to happen. Uh, I don't think that they would give up a starter with potential like Sean Newcomb for a reliever. Uh, I think if you're talking about trading a starter for a reliever, most reliever packages are built around prospects, not built around major league guys. Uh, I think if you want to talk about for Kirby Yates, I think that that's a guy that you would probably do a two for one and you'd probably delve into the latter half. One, maybe of your top 10 pitchers and one of your top 15. If you want to go with Kirby Yates, I don't think that a reliever like Kirby Yates, who is not, a super elite. I don't think he's going to net a top guy or a major league guy. He's solid. You know, he, he could definitely be a good target, but better as a setup guy than a closer though. I think we can both agree. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that you could uh, you could target Yates, but I think that if you're going to tr- wind up trading Newcomb, then uh, you could. Then not to say that a trade with San Diego involving these two guys could not work, but I think uh, as the flip side of the Ender for Tucker deal, where Atlanta would have to maybe give a little bit more there, then I think that you would have to. Uh, You'd have to San get Diego. a little bit more. San Diego has yeah. to give you a little bit more. Yeah. I mean, uh, let's see. What was Yates last year? Five and three, the two fourteen ERA. Uh, 2.0 B-War, I mean... And that was a lot worse as a closer. Remember, before being the closer there, when he was in the setup role, he was one of the best relievers in baseball. He had like a 1.6 ERA. Yeah, I mean, he he is a good target. Sub-1 whip. I like him. Not, just, just, not bad. I'm not real big on trading young, controllable starters for relievers, generally, unless it's like an overpowering reliever. Just generally because I don't think that the value is there for a reliever. You talk about that 2B war, or 2B war, whatever it is in F war, that's good. That's really, really good for a reliever. It's still less than what Sean put together this year, and you still think that there's a lot to go for with Sean Newcomb. Uh, you could do a lot worse than a guy that struck out 90 in 63 innings like Yates did. And it also also depends on uh, there are some rumblings that maybe uh, Chuck Hernandez could be out as pitching coach for the Braves uh, if they feel like uh, bringing in somebody new could get something more out of what we have seen out of Newcomb this year. Basically, get him to take the step that Fulte took with Hernandez this year. By the way, they might, the other they side of that, I like that point. The other side of that point is you and I both know from talking with a few people that we're not going to name that Newcomb has been Chuck Hernandez's boy. Like that that's his project. That's his golden boy. Does another pitching coach feel the same way, or would be if they let Chuck Hernandez go, does that make it more likely that they deal Newcomb? Yeah, for every story you have of a pitcher like Fulty who flashed beautiful stuff but wasn't able to put it all together and then put it together, you have fifty guys who flashed beautiful stuff and weren't able to put it together. So that's I think the future of a lot of these guys that the copy went out and got, I think we're going to get a really, really interesting view of what Anthopolis thinks of, of all of them this season. All right, just a couple more here. We've got from at Bleacher Creature 5 with a 5 instead of the R and the E. Camargo, Pache, Tukey, Kyle Wright for Jacob DeGrom. That's pretty close to actually. That's actually really close to what I wrote out earlier this year in my deal yeah, for Degrom. That's, that's almost exactly. Yeah, that's um, that would get it done, and it would break my. There's not a I'm gonna piece disagree of that deal you. that would not break my heart. I'm going to disagree with you. I don't think that gets it done. Not because it's not really? a. Not because it's not a good trade. I think value for value. I think that's what it would take to get a Jacob Degrom. But because the Mets are too stupid. But because the Wilpons are so incapable of helping their team for the sake of a little publicity at first. Like, they wouldn't even trade Zach Wheeler. Like, they just missed the one window where Zach Wheeler was actually performing really well for the first time in his career for a guy that had been injured for basically most of his career, and they wouldn't do it. I Man, I tell you what, if the Mets don't take that deal, that's Camargo, Pache, Tukey, and Kyle Wright. Man, that's three top 60 prospects and an everyday starting third baseman. Man, it, if they don't do that, they are crazy. That kills me. But the, they are. That's how, you, that's how you know a deal like this is good is if you say, nope, wouldn't do it. 
You know, like I would do it. I would still do it just because I think DeGrom takes you over the top. What I said about what I and how I really feel. One of the things that I that I feel hurt the Braves the most is they didn't have a guy to match their guy. And that's that's the thing. DeGrom matches and beats their guy. That's that's just my thought process on it. I would hate to lose Pache the most out of that entire deal because I love me some Christian Pache. And I've already said I think he'll end up being the better player than Ronald Acuna. If that should let you know anything that I think Pache has a higher potential. But when you're talking about a guy like Jacob DeGrom, you don't get him playing safe. Yeah, he's. Uh, you don't have to gamble on his potential. He is He is what he is. Great trade idea there. Phenomenal. I think yeah. the Braves would – would, I think the Braves would not like to do it, but I think they would. And I think the Mets, if they were a smart team and had actual better ownership, I think they would do it. I just don't think the Wilpons would do it because they're stupid. Um, the, he has another trade, though. Colby, Joey Wins, and William Contreras for JT Real Muto. For what it's worth, uh, JT Real Muto was the most traded for player in this exercise. Not shocking. The Braves have a needed catcher, and JT is kind of the hot name on here. Um, I would probably do it. I don't want to get rid of William Contreras. I actually think William Contreras is going to be an absolute stud. Uh, and everybody we've talked to seems to think along the same lines. I actually think he's going to end up a better a more well-rounded player, I'll say, than his brother. Um, I think he'll be a, a fixture in Atlanta. If he stays here, he could most definitely get dealt. But if he stays here, I think he'll be a fixture in Atlanta for, for six to seven to ten years. Um, I don't know if that's quite enough for Miami to deal JT. Uh, I think at this point they feel like he's the last face of their franchise they got left. Uh, a lot of people still feel that they got hosed in the Giancarlo Stanton deal, definitely got hosed in the Marcelo Zuna deal. Uh, and while the Yelich deal looked decent at the time, early returns with Lewis Brinson and Monty Harrison have not been quite what it was assumed. So I think that that's a guy that they would shoot for the moon for. I think that they would ask for number one pitching guys, not uh, not guys that are a little bit lower. I think the inclusion of Contreras is really interesting, though, because that gives you a couple of years, like when you're resetting, that gives – Basically, it gives you a young, real Muto, somebody who's uh, adept on both sides of the ball and somebody that, uh, that brings you a lot of value in a position that, that doesn't generally bring you uh, a ton of value. They'd probably want a Pache or, or one of the top flight pitching prospects, but I think, I think that's a good start, too. Colby, yeah, we were talking about him and in in dealing him to Cincinnati, and he is, he is going to get lit up, I think, but I, I still wonder if any team has the the hubris to say we can fix this we can oh most definitely somebody will yeah and he and he still got now granted he was first round pick uh who has fallen towards the backup top 100 list you know what he sounds like he sounds like somebody that the Braves would have targeted while they were in the rebuild so you take a team like that's uh who was it Bob Nightingale who is about as reliable for breaking news as my as my <laughs> German Shepherd is, but uh, love the shot there. Well, you know he he's you suck, uh, he's proven it. He's not that good. No, you suck. But uh, but he was he was just talking about how the expectation out of Arizona is that they're going to wind up rebuilding. So who knows? Maybe maybe in a place that's uh, a little bigger, um, like that place like Arizona, place like San Diego, maybe you know you could start looking at, at places where he could actually thrive, and that's that's where teams could. Uh, you could really start to look at guys like that because he's still got that, still got that tag. He's still a top hundred guy in in some certain lists. So maybe I, I think you add one more piece to that deal for Real Muto, and that would get it done. 
There, there's a few more Real Muto deals on here, some that are pretty interesting. We're not going to have time to get to them. we got to move on. Um, so let's go ahead and let's talk about yours and our and my ideas for the offseason. Uh, now, I've got them written down. Do you want to start or you want me to go first? Go ahead. All right. Pretty simple. My my ideal outside of, like I mentioned, outside of, of landing the big fish in Harper or Machado, uh, I want to see the Braves sign Juris Familia. Uh, on like a four-year, $40 million deal. I think he's going to be – I think he's uh, – I kind of undersold him about halfway through the year. I didn't – I wasn't as high on him. I didn't think he was anything more than a Rotus. Uh, after looking at it a little bit, I think that he's a better version of a Rotus. I think he's a little bit more consistent with throwing strikes. Uh, very good pitcher this year. He actually did really well in Oakland. Um, he's a guy that I would sign. The domestic violence thing got thrown out. It was kind of trash and, and the – lady admitted that some of the things she said weren't true so i'm fine with signing him i think 10 million for him is i personally i think it's better value than signing craig kimbrell for 14 million a year if you could get him cheaper i would you may be able to get him cheaper than that uh, i'm just i'm trying to aim high when i put the when i put the money targets on i always try to aim high so that if it ends up being less i feel better um but i think a four-year deal is a good idea he's still relatively young i got the reason why I'm not real big on going after JT Real Muto, uh, JT is good everywhere. I don't think he's great at anything. Uh, I think he's a very well-rounded piece, but I think he's like a lesser version of Buster Posey. No shame there, Buster, Buster Posey. Before all the before all the injuries, was like a historically good catcher. Um, but I would rather go with Yasmani Grandal on a four-year and forty-eight million dollar deal, twelve year, uh, twelve million a year. Uh, Yasmani is a guy who's not ever going to hit you three hundred. He's not going to hit you two eighty like JT will do, but he's going to hit you thirty home runs. Uh, he's the number two pitch framer in all of baseball behind Tyler Flowers. He can actually throw runners out, which neither of our catchers can do, and he's a switch hitter. It's kind of a triple threat. I can see it. I can absolutely see it. Um, guy like Grandall is going to – this is where the Carter Stewart non-signing will actually come back to, to be an advantage because you actually have two picks in the first round. Exactly. So you've got – That qualifying can, offer is not a big deal there. You could even sign two if you really wanted to, because if um, and I have been looking everywhere to try and figure out what exactly is the answer to this question. But which picks will wind up getting sacrificed? The ninth one is protected no matter what. I think the 21st one is as well. So I think you're getting into second, third round picks. I think you're right. I think it's second or third, but I'm not 100 percent on that. I need Boggy to give me the answer. But and and uh, Boggy, if you're listening, uh, hit us up. Let, you let know us he's know listening. about that. You know he's listening. He's a, well, he's the only person I know who's got the, the patience to read the entire collective bargaining agreement and actually like interpret it and understand it. By the way, shout um, out to Boggy, where I'm getting all my numbers as far as what the Braves have to spend and, and the amount that they're going to have to spend to re up some guys, all from Boggy. Um, he's probably the key member of Nakahoma Nation. Uh, no offense, Josh, but Boggy is the guy that does all the actual legwork there. I, I thought that my draft spreadsheet was in depth, and then he sent me a link to his, and it's it's dude, it's un- insane, unbelievable, it's ridiculous, it's unreal. Like I looked at it, instantly went into a coma. But so when we are looking at signing uh, guys with qualifying offers attached, if you have to sacrifice a second and a third round pick, the value of the twenty first or the uh, the ninth and twenty first pick that's that's more than those other picks, so you can still come out you can sign two guys with qualifying offers attached to them and still come out roses 
getting higher talent and still maybe push the money down have like a 2016 draft with uh, with Anderson Wentz and Mahler and get creative as long as front of the program Brian Bridges is still calling the shots in the scouting department as long as he doesn't then, yell at us for naming some names for next year's draft I'm going to say this don't go don't go small draft Reese Hines baby you know guy like Reese Hines guy like uh, Riley Green CJ Abrams I mean there's there's a lot of really there's, good talent there's some really good names in this draft coming up there really are and uh, and to that point, if you get into signing, a, like you can sign a Grandall and you can sign a Harper or a Machado type, and still it's not going to completely kill your draft, uh, no. which is what happened to Philadelphia this past year because they signed Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta. Now, by but, the way, uh, I've got two more. I've got two more free agent signings I want to see. As far as the got? as far as the bullpen, I'm going to throw a name that I don't know if anybody else has ever even bothered to look at or even know if he's alive. Uh, Tony Sip. Lefty from Houston, throws pretty hard, really pretty good guy. Uh, I'd give him a three-year and a $9 million. So basically $3 million a year. He's your lefty out of the pen, uh, or adds to it. He's another really good guy with a lot of experience. He's a little bit older, helps a lot of the younger guys, does not walk people, and that's the thing. Uh, and then the big signing, I guess, quote-unquote, the big signing would be I would go in on Michael Brantley. I would go – Fairly high. Might is might even go up to a four and a sixty. It's hard for me to gauge on that. Spot track has him at like a, almost a twenty million dollar average value. I would not pay that for Michael Brantley. But if I would go up to fifteen million a year for him. Uh, he's a guy that I was deathly against him when Ken Hendricks from Nakahoma Nation brought him up to me in uh, in the group chat, brought up Michael Brantley's name, and I was deathly against him because he's a guy that I just assumed was always hurt because every time I see him, he's mostly hurt. Uh, but he actually played a lot of games this year, uh, played 137 the year before. He's actually been a lot healthier than I thought the past couple years. And this year he put up some really good numbers. Go check them out on Fangrass, and you'll see I'm not going to have time to actually go into all of them here. But essentially, Brantley is a better version of Nick Marcakis. He's not quite as good on defense. He's not great, but he's got enough to him to where he's not going to hurt you. Uh, and then his offense, very strong. And he can still run too. He's exactly. he's uh, you know, he's uh, he's kind of in that same AJ Pollock category for me, where it's just the injury history is a bit of a red flag. Um, and because it's never just one thing, it's like it's there's so many different little things that that will that will happen in there to where you can't say, oh, this guy's got a bum shoulder, this guy's got a bum knee. Um, it's a little bit of everything. It's a lot of soft tissue stuff with him. Yeah, just just eternally snake bitten, and in, in that same way that that Max Fried has had, where it's like it goes from the back to the blisters to he he got hit in the nuts by a by a line drive. Uh, you know, there's there's all types of. Are we going to have to clown honk? That, that's, <laughs> no, you uh, can say nuts. If we right. if we let Jason Waddell go crazy on this show enough to get one bad review, I think we can let you say nuts. Still, our only one star review. So thank so, you to everybody you. who gave us. Uh, to, to give us uh, five stars and to the guy that gave us one star. I know you're not listening. So yeah. Yeah. Thank out. you. Douche canoe. But that that's my free agency targets. Um, signing four or five is always kind of a tall task. I think the Braves have plenty of money to do it. I'm interested to see if Alex is willing to sign that many free agents that are going to play a major role. Uh, but I do have a few trades as well. Cause trades are more fun than just say, Hey, pay this guy. My number one trade. Oh, by the way, I should say that Charlie Morton, is on my list if you don't get this guy. My number one trade target is Madison Bumgarner. And yeah, San Francisco's yeah. mentioned that he's going to be, or every San Francisco beat writer is essentially saying that he's available. Uh, a lot of, There was a lot of talk that he'd be available anyway. 
Are you aware that Madison Bumgarner is only going to make twelve million next year? Yeah, he's going. He's going to cost a lot in prospects because he's not going to cost a lot. In See, yeah, I don't think uh, he's yeah. going to cost you a whole lot in prospects. I think he'll cost you prospects. I don't think he's going to cost you a ton because it's still just one year. I think that's the thing because his his agent has already said he's testing free agency. So the the Giants lost that card. They lost the ability to say, "Oh yeah, you can sign him to a long term deal." Everybody who gets him knows it's basically for one year, and then you're going to have to outbid everybody. So that right away takes away from the amount of high end that you have to give. Aside from the fact that their system is like they're ranked the 28th system in baseball, they're the worst. Their system is putrid. And if it wasn't, if if we didn't exist in a world where the Baltimore Orioles existed, like this would be the worst farm system I've ever looked at, top to bottom. So what I've got well, here, even, what were you saying? Even. Oh, just the, even the Orioles have started doing work. I, I, I'm with you. I think the Giants and the, and the Mariners, my God, Seattle is bleak. Like, everybody's uh, trying to get younger and faster, and San Francisco is trying to get older and slower. Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. But they're, they're just trying to outthink the curve here. I Now, this is what I propose. It's probably not going to get it done. It probably want a little bit more, but this is the value range I'm looking at. Ender, Max Freed, Joey Wentz. You're getting a center fielder to patrol because they, Lord knows, they need a center fielder um, now, especially now that McCutcheon's gone. Um, Max Freed is a guy that I love. Max Freed. I don't want him to leave. I want Max Freed in my starting rotation. Unfortunately, I don't think the Braves are viewing Max Freed as a starter for the Braves long term. Uh, I think if they were, he'd already be doing it. But I would, if it took it, I might, I would substitute Sean Newcomb for Max Freed. Like, let's just say that because I think that Max Freed, because he hasn't started, I think the San, I think San Fran could move that down a little bit. I would say Ender Newcomb and, and Joey Wentz for Madison Bumgarner. I would do that trade. I think I would. Do- I think that that gives them enough. I don't know if they would want a little bit more prospect added on. If they want another prospect added on to that, then then you could give another pitcher. Um, I don't think with that package you'd have to add a top five type of pitcher. I think you could deal somebody else, and you might see two young guys at it. They might want Bryce Wilson in that deal as well. And while I love me some Bryce Wilson, um, just because it's one year Madison Bumgarner, I don't think it's really going to cost you what everybody's what everybody's expecting it will, because everybody knows that San Francisco has to trade him. They don't have anybody to come behind him. They're in a horrible horrible place right now everybody knows they have to rebuild and everybody knows that if they want they can just wait a year and sign bump garner the year after so i think that it's going to be a team that needs a top flight guy to come in and anchor the rotation particularly in the playoffs which hello seems like something the braves could use and while not to sorry i <laughs> go I'm ahead. really i'm really excited to make this next point so no, you go ahead you go ahead go. no you do it make your point well, and also as it pertains to, you know, you sacrifice value for Ender and Nuke and a guy like Wentz. But if Bumgarner comes out, like if he's already stated that he's going to wind up testing free agency and the Braves don't wind up signing him and he doesn't just qualifying offer. Yeah, you can offer him a QO and uh, then you, you wind up recouping draft picks even farther down the line. Now, that might not seem like an actual good strategy, but when you're looking at a situation where the, the no international signings whatsoever will be will be starting uh, in the next signing period so you got to kind of push those picks down a, a little bit not like down in subsequent rounds like down in subsequent drafts so that is that is the point that i was anxious to make that i, I was so anxious that i interrupted it's, it's actually not something that i even considered that's how bad it was like i wasn't even considering the qualifying offer i was just considering because 
if you give up that, and I, I'm, I'm going to substitute Newcomb because I think it would cost more than just Max Freed. I think if you have Newcomb in there, you've got them a young, controllable starter with a ton of potential who actually is almost the exact same body as Madison Bumgarner. I think that gives them a guy that they can hang their hat on and say out here with what we developed with Bumgarner, we can do that with Newcomb. They're a team that I think would be that that team – like if you have to add Colby onto the end of that, I think that they're that you were talking about that team that thinks that that's arrogant enough to think they can fix the person. I think San Fran is that team. And I think if you get Madison Baumgartner, not even considering the qualifying offer aspect, if it takes you to the world series and you can win a world series, it's worth it. You saw the Cubs do it when they gave up Glaber Torres for a Rawls Chapman. Do you think that, that they're regretting doing that right now? Flags fly forever. Exactly. And that's that's the part that's going to suck the most on a lot of trades for Braves fans is you're going to have to realize that a lot of these guys that you've come to depend on and hang your hat on because we sucked for, for a long time, these are guys that they were brought in to be moved for other pieces, and that's going to start happening. And if you trade Ender, I'm all on signing Leonis Martin or even Curtis Granderson. Uh, I do have another trade, which is kind of half and half. Here's the other one. Trade Luis Gohara and Colby Allard to Tampa Bay for Daniel Robertson. Now, this is not me saying that, oh, replace Dancing with Daniel, although I would. But let, let's just say that you're assuming that Daniel Robertson would be your utility man. I would do that in a heartbeat. You're talking about a guy with – he doesn't have monster power. He's got he's got average power now that he's changed his swing. But he has an OBP in the 380s, close to 390. He can play multiple positions and play them well. He's essentially – a more well-rounded Charlie Culberson. And he's a guy that because it's the Rays and because they have a ton of people behind him, Joey Wendell is going to get a couple rookie of the year votes this year because nobody's ever unanimous. They've got Willie Adamas, who's not going anywhere. They've got freaking Wander Samuel Franco, who the rate that he's going is going to be in the majors at 19. I don't think that the Rays would care as much to lose Louis or to lose Robertson, or if they don't want to give up Robertson, I would do probably Luis Gohara or Colby Allard, uh, Colby Allard, whichever one they would do. If they would take Colby, I'd do Colby. But if it took Gohara for Brandon Lau, I would do that as well to give you some lefty power off the bench who can play multiple positions as well. Regardless of whether the Braves wind up going after Robertson, uh, I think that uh, moves like that are going to be crucial because as you see from the Dodgers bench, that level of depth is so incredibly clutch. And you can't just have Charlie Culberson and Kurt Suzuki or Tyler Flowers, and then and then nobody, Ryan, no more Ryan, Ryan Flaherty's, no more Preston Tucker's. Daniel Robertson's a guy who you would feel good about starting once a week or more. If Dansby continues to struggle with the bat, Robertson would take his job, and then Dansby would be in the same position there, and you'd feel great about your depth either way. Yeah, he's he's a great insurance policy, and so if you can if you can have a, a number of guys that are defensively sure-handed that can uh, shorthanded, not shorthanded, uh, that can also swing it a little bit and and you can kind of count on and feel confident sending him up to pinch hit as opposed to Flaherty, um, then I think, yeah, you absolutely have to see that. I think the bench next year is going to be just completely revamped. I do too. I, I think you think they bring Charlie back? Better. You think they bring back Charlie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree. I think he's definitely earned a shot to come back. But that's what I got. What do you got? Um... Yeah, I, I like every every time we do a segment like this, I swear I, I pick on somebody new for next year. I, I've said Buxton before. I've said Yasiel Puig before. And I think Puig is interesting. Um, there's the obvious Anthopolis tie since he was out in L.A. 
Um, Puig has one year left on his deal. You could slot him in right field. And still you could have once the time comes for him to go, then you have Christian Pache who could come up or could be really, really close. Uh, I, I think so much of what you, what you hear about him as being such a divisive clubhouse guy, some of that has waned. And as far as him being like the, the wild horse, you know, he, he and Nick Hundley got into it earlier this year, but that's against the Giants. That's like the, the Braves fighting against the Mets. You know what I mean? So there's, there's always going to be high tension there. So I think he's worth looking into. Um, I'm not married to that idea, but I, I do have a kind of a big trade for three guys that would come here, but I don't know who the Braves would send. Um, let's see if I can uh, put something together here. We'll just throw the names out there and we'll see. We'll, we'll brainstorm this. The Atlanta Braves would acquire Starling Marte, Francisco Cervelli, and Felipe Vasquez from the Pirates Ooh. for right <laughs> for I no like less that. than Ender, Newcomb, Allard, and probably a guy like Atuki. Uh, I would agree. It's probably going to cost Atuki, which I don't want to give up Tuki. But me either. Here's my here's my other question. I meant to get into this earlier. I kind of feel that when you were talking about recency bias. A lot of people are forgetting about Mike Soroka, man. I think if you're coming down to this Braves rotation next year and it's between those two for who's the starter, I think it's Soroka. I think Soroka's a better bet to be a starter than Tukey just because there's still some fastball command on Tukey. Now, I think Tukey's an absolute stud. I love, 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 love Tukey Toussaint. Um, But when you're talking about acquiring, Francisco Cervelli I think helps a lot because he's a really underrated catcher who was phenomenal this year. He doesn't have the power that you want, but he literally does everything else. Like, yeah, he's he's a uh, he's strong strong catcher and he's also, you know, there's going to be some level of platoon. I, I don't think that you can count on Flowers to be any any level of full-time starter and I, I really like Tyler, Tyler Flowers, but I think um, the cost of acquisition for a guy like Real Muto is going to be so steep. And and Cervelli isn't going to come cheap either, but but I also don't think that you're looking at nearly the same package. And uh, if you were to in this deal, like Ender definitely goes to Pittsburgh in this deal for me, um, not because I wouldn't want him to play for the Braves. But they're going to require he, it if they're going to give up Starling Marte, who's not a great defensive center fielder and does make makes at least three or four boneheaded moves a year. I think that they would like an Ender. Is a guy who's got a very, very, very cheap contract, really, really good contract, uh, mm-hmm. who still plays really good, who you could say at the very least he, he still has, theoretically, he can still improve a little bit. Uh, but the value he brings defensively helps a lot there, especially because Gregory Polanco is not a great defensive right fielder despite being the size of a mountain. Um, and then Jordan Luplo, I guess, and Corey Dickerson, neither of them are great defenders. And since they traded Austin Meadows. Well, and you also look at some other parts that would go to Pittsburgh in a deal like that, like uh, guy like Newcomb, like um, Ray Searage, who is the Pirates pitching coach, is is to MLB what Dennis Llewellyn is to MILB. Like he, Ray Searage is a legend, except and so, for Tyler Glasnow. Yeah, I mean, well, what Glasnow needed was to be with a pitching coach who's six eight, and that's what he's got down in down in Tampa. So hopefully, he can figure something out down there. But if he can, you know, you take a guy like Newcomb, who's in the same same spot, who um, would be in the same spot there as he is with Chuck Hernandez, where you could say, like, there's the, the big potential, but how do we extract that value out of you? So, uh, and same thing, same thing for Colby. So, and a guy like 
Tukey, you know, you you give a couple of pitching projects, pitching prospects over to the Pirates, and you get some guys that can help you right now. Felipe Vasquez is nasty. So in this Insane. deal, you're you're dealing from a position of strength. You're getting a right-handed power-hitting outfielder who is going to have the the same. Um, now, Marte's not going to hit like forty or anything, but he'll give you he'll give you twenty in any given year. Guy's uh, a six-war player, basically. Well, the FWAR for both uh, Marte and Ender is going to be very similar. It's just based on different skill sets. This gives you the opportunity to move Acuna back to his natural position. Marte could slot into either left or right. You will still have to get another outfielder for this uh, for this situation if you're trading Ender. But uh, this upgrades you in three positions. To me, I think I think that's a good deal. But, uh, you know, as far as anything else, I would be interested in a uh, bullpen upgrade for a guy like Sean Kelly. I think that uh, Adam Adovino is really interesting, but I think with the volatility of reliever contracts, as we saw, as the team that Adovino is coming from showed last year after signing uh, $143 million worth of contracts to relievers and Ugh. then subsequently having one of the worst bullpens in all, in all of the National League. Um, th- those types of things are not guaranteed. You could get a guy like Kelly for two years and $7 million or something, which is uh, – that's not too bad. No, that's a good deal for a guy that you think upgrades your your bullpen. And when we're on the subject of that, don't forget Darren O'Day is, is going to be in there next year. So that's another guy that you feel better about. Biddle's going to be back. You think that he'll take a step forward as he gets more time under his belt. The same thing for Dan Winkler. Um there, there's still a lot of young guys in this bullpen. Chad Sabaka should be even better next year now that he's got experience. And I still expect Chad Sabaka to play a huge role in the bullpen next year. I, I do as well. And you also you you look a little bit farther. You look at some internal candidates like Tom Burrows, who's in the AFL right now. Uh, he, he's he's 24. I mean, he's he's right in that range. Wipeout stuff. Wipeout stuff. Yeah, he's and he really started to come on at the second half of, of last year. So he could be, uh, he could be up in June, July. Corbin Klaus is another one. Jacob Webb is another one. Grant Dayton is coming back from Tommy John. Jacob Lindgren is coming back from Tommy John. Now, Lindgren another, is never going to play ever. Like I keep waiting on Jacob Lindgren to play, and then he gets hurt again. And it's I, always major injuries. Like has he thrown more than five pitches in like the last three years? It's been a long time. He's once you have two surgeries in a row without having any meaningful time in between. Like there's only one Johnny Ventures and uh, and Lingren. Lingren's got killer stuff. I mean, his nickname was the Strikeout Machine. So uh, if he's healthy, that's great. But he's an option. And and same thing with Dayton. You know, the, he might come back and have his speed, but he might not have, have his command. So uh, there are some some options out there. Um, Externally, Kelvin Herrera, maybe Sergio Romo, maybe maybe trade for Tony Watson, maybe trade for Colin McHugh. Maybe if you do decide to go big with JT Real Muto, if you feel like giving away the entire farm, you try and also get Drew Steckenrider uh, just for the sake of packaging everybody in one deal. Would you rather uh, have Steckenrider? Oh, didn't Kyle Bearclaw just get traded? Yeah, to Washington. Dang, because I, w- I would have rather gone after Bearclaw, but that's okay. I like Steckenrider too. And he's from here. He's from here, if I'm not mistaken. I am not sure. I'm pretty sure I'm my sure. wife knows his wife. That's cool. Like not, not, not friends, that. friends. I think they know her passing. His wife is a nurse. If it's the same guy I'm thinking of, his wife is a nurse. Uh, and she was up here at the same hospital that my wife works at. Uh, and I can't say what they were talking about, but, but it did come around to 
All I heard was that her husband is a major league reliever for the Marlins, who's from here, and I'm pretty sure it was Drew Steckenrider. Well, I don't. It's not like the last name, like Jones or something. If it's uh, somebody Steckenrider working at the hospital, then I'm guessing that's probably. (laughs) She never. She never. She didn't see the the lady's last name though, so that's why I was just trying to have to guess a little bit. She said he was big and threw really hard, which that's a lot of Marlins relievers. It's Teron Guerrero. I don't know if I can call him big. He's tall. That dude looks like he could blow away in the windstorm that we had yesterday. Yeah, he's like 6'7", 125. And throws 104. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, that's a, that's a tall dude. That's a tall dude. But he, he, has, he has zero command. He's like if, uh, if you... He's uh, like if Mauricio Cabrera was like pulled upwards. You like how you stretch a stretch Armstrong? You, you yeah. squat them and they're short and, and pudgy. You just pull them up and he just gets like skinnier and skinnier as he gets taller. That's that's what I think. Tehran, I think Tehran Guerrero is just Mauricio Cabrera put on one of those medieval stretching machines. Yeah, like in the the end of Braveheart, right? Right the the rack as they'll call the it. rack. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> do you have any other? Do you have any free agents? Because that's what I was hitting you up for, man. Well, you know, I I think that. Um, I think the the first thing to do is you take a look at Harper. I I, I really do think you take a look at Harper. Um, then, it's also a thumb in the thumb in the eye to the Nationals too. Which I don't think the Braves yeah. are above. Wouldn't that be just great? You know that that he can put uh, his foot through the W when he goes and plays there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I hope he drags his cleat through a W. That would be awesome. But uh, but yeah, I mean, and guys like guys like Brantley, guys like Pollock, even a guy like Andrew McCutcheon. Um, who is de- defensively McCutcheon's not going to give you a lot, but he's he would kind of give you that same Marcus role of the veteran leadership. Um, I'm I'm not huge on that, but I, I'm not horribly opposed to it. Uh, one of the things that Anthopolis has done all year is shown how much he it's going to be a weird statement, but how much he values value uh, guys that are that other guys are just kind of sleeping on that other teams are not really as interested in. So guys like Shane Carl, who is let us not forget how great Shane Carl was in the first part of the season. Even though he um, turned back into a pumpkin. He did. And and this was for, for him and Biddle and Winkler. It's a shame they got left off the uh, off the rosters, but this being their first big season, same thing with with Albies and, and Acuna. Like next year when you have all these guys that are like their bodies are actually ready to endure this type of rigorous schedule. And then I think it could wind up being a different situation. The bullpen, because of that, the bullpen might not wind up being as much of a problem next year if you're not running into guys like half of your staff hit the wall, of the fatigue wall, at the exact same time. I think so a lot of might, it, sorry to interrupt, but I think a lot of it with that bullpen, it's not necessarily upping the talent because I think you have a lot of talented young guys and a lot of guys who have some wipeout stuff. I think the problem is they're all essentially the same guy. Power guys, with the exception of like Winkler, and but the problem is they all struggle with command. I think you have to splice in some guys who throw strikes consistently in there, even if they don't have quite the same upside as some of the guys like Sabatka or Biddle uh, or or Brad Brock at times. You have to get some guys that consistently throw strikes to where when these other guys don't have it, you can turn to those guys. You got to make them beat you. You know, you you can't just wait for somebody to to swing at one that's on the fringes of the zone. And you, and there's probably a lot more. It's probably a lot more damaging to the ego 
to have somebody beat you, but it's also harder for someone to beat you as long as you're executing your stuff. And it's it's not just as easy as, hey, man, throw strikes. If it was that easy, everybody would do it. <laughs> right? You know? if, oh, throw strikes? Oh, well, yeah, that, I, thanks. Thanks for telling me. That, I'm, I'll try that game plan now. Yeah, how did I make it to the pros without knowing how to throw strikes? Oh, really? So, That's all I got to do? it's calm down i should also mention that that in my that my ideas earlier my free agent signings uh that was about 40 million dollars all told which the braves do have plenty to do that if my calculations were done correctly the braves have about 58 to 60 million to spend along with some arbitration guys and gosman is an interesting case because we expect gosman to stay i'm assuming Mm -hmm. but arbitration projections kind of have him at like nine nine and a half million dollars. So I would not be entirely shocked to see Alex consider flipping him again. One of the the trade suggestions that we got from, let me see from uh, at Jeremy R. Gonzalez was for Jacob DeGrom, uh, Christian Pache, Luis Gahara, Colby Allard, and Kevin Gossman. And I don't think that would be enough to get DeGrom per se, but it's the first, it was the only one that had Gossman in it. Would it be I had enough? Never to, even, I'm sorry, would it be enough to get you Zach Wheeler? Because if that's for Wheeler, I don't know that I'd give up Pache for Wheeler. But, no, I, I think that's not enough to get DeGrom. I think it's too much to get Wheeler. So you take but out the, Pache I, and insert somebody else, like, say, insert Drew Waters for Zach Wheeler. Would you do that? Oh, I think that you could probably uh, wouldn't even have to get into the waters tier. You could probably stay in the uh, if we're just going by pipeline rankings. You could go on Izzy Wilson or Travis Demerit. I would do that. I would do that. I think Wheeler's got great stuff. Hell yeah, it's just health with him. If and, and once again, this is where it gets into the medicals because once a Met, always a Met, and you've got <laughs> that bl- black cloud following you around forever. Do you think that'd you know, be enough to get Cindergard? Because mm. I think DeGrom will cost more than Cindergard, who will cost more than Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I, that was kind of my, my initial reaction, too. That's probably about right on for Cindergard. I might do that because I, I do have this feeling that it's just because you're in New York that you get hurt. Like, it would not shock me if these guys go somewhere else and never have another problem with injuries again. You know, you say that, but then it's going to wind up being a situation where. Uh, Center guard winds up getting like trapped in his refrigerator and he can't get out and he has to be hospitalized. Dude, he got hand, foot, and mouth disease. That's 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 classic God cursing you because you're a Met. Is it because he's a Met or is it because, you know, they don't the gods don't like it when you imitate them. And if you're Thor, I know you're like a you're not like a god god, but you're like a god. He's a demigod, he's kinda half and half. No, I think it's just the fact he's like lol Mets. You know, i I would love to I would love to find out. But here's here's the thing about Cindergard, and I think we should probably wrap it up because I think I think we're about an hour and a half. Mark. I know, I but, know. I was just thinking that. Anthopolis traded Noah Cindergard when he was in high A, and now he is a stud at the big league level when he can stay healthy. I I wonder if that's the one that eats away at him. Oh, says, it's got to be. You traded him for R. A. Dickey. Dickey, at the time, that was not preposterous Dude, Dickey was coming off of a Cy Young. Dude, he traded, a stu- he traded a fireballer for a knuckler. That's a bad move. And I love Alex Anthopoulos. That's a horrible idea. Knuckleballers, oh, knuckleballers are the quintessential guy that you never buy into. Because one year, they will be awesome. The very next year, they will be horrible. Because they don't know where their pitch is going. 
at the time, Syndergaard was 83rd ranked in all of baseball, and he was not really – he wasn't Thor yet. You see, that's that's why he wasn't getting hurt then, because he, he wasn't uh, trying to be a demigod. He was still throwing 100 mile an hour and throwing 91 mile an hour sliders. Well, let me see how that's worked out so far. Incredibly talented. I would love, I would love to get Syndergaard back, and I, I think that that would help Anthopolis kind of get whatever trade monkey off his back that he that he currently has on there. Now we do have to wrap up the show. I got some other thoughts on Anthopolis that I really want to talk about, but we'll get to them next week. Uh, for for all of you out there, thank you for sticking all the way through the show. Really enjoyed the season with all of you guys. We hope that you stick with us through the off season. We've got some really fun ideas for the off season shows. Again, to all of those out there, make sure you're checking us out on iTunes, on Stitcher, on TuneIn, on everywhere. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at TPS underscore podcast. Follow us on Facebook as well. We've got a Facebook page, folks. It's kind of embarrassing. There's only like 43 people on there, but follow us on Facebook as well. We'll make sure that we give you guys some content. Um, Make sure you're subscribing. Follow us on Armchair All-Americans. Give those guys some love for for bringing us on there. Show them some love as well. they got some great college football articles and some great college football shows if you're into that. Uh, Again, make sure you go to mybookie.ag. Drop them a line. Let them know that you heard from us here at TPS. And use our promo code BRAVES25. Doc, always a pleasure, my friend. Really looking forward to delving into this offseason. Likewise, man. Um, You know, let's, uh, let's just keep doing this until the network comes on and tells us that we can't do it anymore. Or until they, until somebody offers us a lot of money, and then we go through the rock star breakup phase. That would be way preferable. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you so much. We will catch you next week right here on the Platinum Sombrero. Thanks, bye.